Hello, hello, and welcome back to Organic Gardening for Beginners. I am your host, Jessica, from the blog Homegrown Food and Flowers, and this is the show that helps you get started with your garden no matter your level of experience, no matter what time of year it is, there's always something worth growing or something worth planning for for next year. Today's episode 27, we are continuing the theme from last week of recommendations of what to grow on focusing on culinary herbs. Last year we talked about, last year, last week we talked about flowers. This week we are talking all about herbs, which ones are great to grow if you love to cook and a couple that are there specifically for the pollinators and you'll get some benefit out of them too. So let's see if we can find a new one to put on your growing list for next year. Alrighty, so jumping straight in, the herbs that made this list are all easy to start from seed. I always like to give you guys options of plants that you can grow yourself because there are a lot of garden plants out there, veggies, flowers, herbs alike, that are awesome to grow at home, but that can be a little bit trickier to start from seed. And I always want to focus on what is accessible that's not going to require, you know, certain germination, um, you know, techniques to get it going. So these ones are all easy to start from seed. I will mention a couple that I think earn a place in any garden, but that I would recommend buying a seedling because it'll just make your life a lot easier. So starting us off with number one, we've got basil. I think that no matter where you live or garden, having an herb list without basil on it is an incomplete list. Basil is definitely one of the easiest herbs to grow. Of course, super easy to start from seed. They are small black seeds that you want to sow after risk of frost has passed. Basil is not cold tolerant in any way. So if you plant it too early in the spring and you get a surprise frost, then you'll have to start over. So keep this one for your late spring early summer plantings, or it does really well starting it early indoors and then transplanting it out once the weather has warmed up enough. There are a surprising amount of varieties that you can grow of basil. I think we all think of the typical green sweet basil that you use to make pesto, um, but there are cinnamon varieties, there are lemon varieties, there are ornamental varieties actually. There's one called Tulsi basil or holy basil, and you can eat it. It's totally edible, but it's not commonly used in cuisines. It's grown more for the the leaves and the flowers, and those flowers in particular are super popular with the bees. Although I will say all basil plants put out beautiful uh, stalks of seeds that the bees really love. And so you'll definitely get some more pollinator activity. There's also Thai basil. There's red basil. There are mixes that have like variegated leaves. So if you've only ever grown your standard green basil and you're looking for something new or to you know change it up a little bit, give a different basil a try. Uh, and see if you find something that either is either a different color, so it's just visually different, or that tastes a little different, like with a cinnamon basil or a lemon. Number two on that list, cilantro. Also super easy to grow, of course, but this one I really like because it applies to so many different cuisines that it's a very diverse herb to have in the garden, and it also has more frost tolerance, or cold tolerance, I should say, than you would think, because I personally associate cilantro with Mexican and Indian cuisines, and those are all very warm climates, and so you would think it's a warm season crop. But actually, cilantro will bolt or go to seed 
if it's growing through the heat of summer. So it does much better on the shoulder seasons of spring and late summer, late summer slash fall, where the temperatures are just a little bit cooler and it's less likely to go to seed. If you want to try to grow it all summer, tuck it into the shade of another plant, like under your tomatoes or under and next to your pepper plants, where they might benefit from a few degrees cooler temperatures that will give you just a little bit more life before it goes to seed. Eventually, it's going to go to seed over the summer. I've never successfully gotten a cilantro plant all the way from spring to fall without it going to seed. Um, I think that's in part to the temperatures and in part to just it's a shorter lived plant. But fortunately, they grow super fast. So this one is a really great candidate for succession. My goodness, I keep getting tongue tied today. Succession planting, where you plant one round of seeds and then one, two or three weeks later, you plant another round so that your harvests are continually overlapping so that you don't have a gap in production when, you know, say that first round has gone to seed, your second one is in production and your third one is coming up. So if you love cilantro as much as I do, try sowing it a few different times throughout the spring. And then again in the fall, and it can ride the season all the way into winter until, yes, it will eventually get killed by a frost, but you'll get a harvest longer than you might otherwise think. If you do have some plants going to seed on your cilantro, if you can, if you have the space, leave them in the garden because I personally have found that ladybugs are particularly attracted to cilantro. And so I interplant it in my brassica bed like among my kale and cabbage and whatnot because those plants are vulnerable to aphids and so the ladybugs come in to land on the cilantro and then while they're there handily enough they notice the aphids and they take care of it so cilantro is a great one for interplanting or companion planting number three on the list is dill which i feel like is a common herb but uncommon to be found in gardens, unless you are a home canner and you specifically are growing it to get the dill seeds to make pickles. And I like dill because just one plant will do the trick. Like you don't need a whole lot of dill. I could grow 20 cilantro plants and be super happy, but I really only need one, maybe two dill plants because it grows really tall, like four feet tall, if not taller. You can harvest from it for a really long time before it goes to seed. And then when it does go to seed, I still have a use for it. So dill is a pretty versatile plant. It's good if you don't have a whole lot of room and you only want to dedicate, you know, say one square foot to it. And it's nice and tall so you can tuck it in the back of the garden where it's kind of out of the way and you can just pick pick the sprigs off of it as you need them. Some plants don't love growing next to dill because it has such a strong scent, which is great for pest deterrent, but I noticed that some of my plants, like the brassicas, surprisingly, don't love growing next to it, but my cucumbers do. So dill is one where typically I'll put one plant on each end of my cucumber trellis and they grow happily side by side. The dill helps keep away some of the pests from the cucumbers. The trellis is tall enough that if I need to stake up the dill plant to prevent it from falling over, then I can just tie it to the trellis and everybody's happy. Dill likes rich soil. It can tolerate full sun or part sun. So it's kind of a, like I was saying, it's a versatile plant that you can kind of tuck into wherever you have room. 
If you have shorter plants, make sure that you put dill behind them so it doesn't shade them. But other than that, dill is very low maintenance and it will just kind of grow for you. Speaking of low maintenance, number four on the list is mint. And mint is one where it's a little bit trickier to start from seed because the seeds are teeny tiny and you can't cover them. So you need to make sure that they don't dry out at all because they have to stay moist uh, in order to germinate. But then with them not being covered, they're more prone to drying out. So you got to keep an eye on them. Personally, I buy my mint plant or I get a cutting or like a, a root division from somebody I know. I have not had great success with starting mint from seed. So you can give it a shot. I hope that you're luckier than I am. Not luckier, I shouldn't say that. More skilled than I am at starting mint from seed. Um, But one plant will last you into eternity because mint spreads via underground roots. So once you have one mint plant, it will spread throughout your garden. So a lot of people recommend to plant it in a pot, either to have as part of your container garden or what you can do is put it in a pot, like a one of the black plastic nursery pots, and then bury that in the ground if you want it to be, you know, kind of mixed into the rest of your garden and not specifically in a container. The pot will prevent the roots from running everywhere. There will still be a root or two that get out through the drainage holes in the pot, but it's nothing compared to if it were just loose in your garden, which can actually honestly be a benefit. I let my mint go. I don't keep it in a container because the more mint, the merrier. And I put it where it's not going to get in the way when it starts to spread. I like it because it'll grow in the shade. It'll grow in the sun. It blooms with these beautiful purple flowers that the pollinators love and especially moths. I've found moths to be very attracted to mint flowers more so than other ones in my garden. And I like to attract as wide of a variety of pollinators as I can. So the mint, I just kind of let run wild. I'm actually planning to put some out by our chicken coop to see if it can survive out there um, because the chickens are going to stick their heads through and peck at it. But mint is very resilient, and I think that it can take a little light grazing from the chickens. And it might be too pungent that they're not even interested in it. But if it wants to grow wild out there, go for it. I've got the space for it. So Mint, just like basil, comes in a huge, huge variety. Apple mint is my favorite. You can, of course, get the standard peppermint or spearmint. There are orange and cinnamon mints. There are lemon mints. There's a pineapple mint, like a huge variety. You could probably find one for just about any flavor or cuisine that you're going for. So if you are at the nursery looking, you're most likely going to find peppermint, probably apple mint, um, And then I'd say orange mint is the next common. If you want some of those more unusual ones, you might have to try starting them from seed. And you can find those in pretty much any seed catalog. They're not hard to find, just more difficult to find as a plant. Number five on the list are chives. And chives are a year-round plant that go to seed with these beautiful purple, round, almost, I'll say like a round gumdrop sort of shape because they're all prickly from the flower blooms. And again, I sound a little bit like a broken record here. The bees love them. Bees love purple flowers and chives are no different. And these ones, of course, are awesome for things like herbed butters or a salad garnish or in your eggs. So they're very useful in the kitchen as just like a, I'm going to throw this little bit of chives in real quick. 
doesn't take a whole lot of thought to use them. And like most onion crops, because chives are an allium, which is in the onion family, they're very low maintenance, very easy to grow. You can find seedlings very easily, or you can start them from seed very easily. With chives, and this applies a little bit to basil and cilantro too, instead of just planting one seed, you know, and then moving over a few inches and planting another seed and another seed a few inches away, with chives, you actually typically want to sow them more densely than your other crops. So say you have a four-inch pot, and instead of putting just one or two seeds per pot like you might for a tomato or a zucchini or cucumber, something like that, you instead want to scatter something like 15 to 20 little seeds in there because one seed is going to become one stalk, we'll say, of chive, which isn't going to get you very far if you only have one or two or three. And so you need a big clump of chives. And chives are a perennial. You don't remove them from the ground every year the way you do garlic or onions. So as with many herbs, once you plant them, you're good to go and they're going to stick around year after year. And they will slowly spread until you get a good clump of them that are probably, I'd say, 8 to 12 inches wide. And then once it gets to that point, you might even actually want to divide it, which means you dig it up, you cut it in half or quarters, whatever size you're going for, and then you replant those smaller pieces or, you know, give one clump away. That's a great way to start somebody off with with a chive plant is to give them a division from your larger, older plant. And then when you replant those smaller pieces, then they are kind of refreshed. They're getting some new soil. They've got more space to spread out again. And on and on it goes. And this process will take you a couple of years. So you don't have to worry about planting them and then dividing them all in one season. It's going to be over a few seasons. Even though chives are a year-round growing herb, I would recommend starting them either in the spring or in the late summer so that way they have time to get established before the winter um, or before the heat of the summer. Oftentimes, after your chives go to seed, you will see the plant dying back just a little bit. The purple seed heads are the flowers are going to drop off because the seeds are being revealed. And the green that is left behind will start to, about half of it will start to wilt and turn brown. And that's okay. Don't worry about it. You can either just leave it there or what you can actually do is give the whole plant a haircut and chop everything off until there's just uh, maybe two, three inches left from the ground and just leave it be, you know, give it some water, of course, but the whole thing is going to grow back and you'll see the the chive stalks growing right through all of the dead stuff that's left behind. And so it just needs that annual trimming, we'll call it. And then it'll just refresh itself over and over again. So if you see your chive plant start to look a little ragged, don't worry, you haven't done anything wrong. It's just kind of almost like a molting process after it goes to seed uh, and it'll come back. So don't worry. Number six, parsley. Also a very common herb to see out and about, especially as a garnish, but not as common to see grown in a garden, which is a bummer because it is a very low maintenance plant. If you sow parsley, it will come back from year to year. Similar to chives, it will also have a little rough patch in the heat of summer because parsley also doesn't love intense heat, similar to, to cilantro. So plant this one in a cooler area or maybe some partial 
shade, but don't put it in the sunniest spot in your garden or it's really going to suffer. I've also noticed that for me, it likes a rich soil. If you're starting to see the leaves of your parsley plant get a little bit yellow and not being this super vibrant, lush green, then you might want to put some just a general all-purpose fertilizer on it. Or if you have a more optimal location for it, maybe in richer soil or in a less sunny spot, then you can try moving it too and seeing if that helps. Um, It does need some sun, so don't put it in like the deepest shade of your yard, but you can give your sunniest spot to a different plant like a pepper or lavender that will appreciate it more than your parsley will. Parsley is related to the carrot, or it's in the carrot family, so it's related to carrots, so it has a nice deep taproot. It almost is like a parsnip because it's white. And so parsley doesn't love to be moved. So once you start it, if you start it indoors, be careful with the the root. It won't, you know, stop the plant from growing or anything. It just might put it through a couple weeks of transplant shock if you are transplanting it and the roots get damaged or that big long taproot gets handled too much. And transplant shock is just kind of a, we'll call it a, a transition period where the plant needs to settle into its new location. So you can move parsley. You know, I've mentioned moving it from one location to another, totally fine. I'm just saying be careful with the roots because it doesn't appreciate too much handling. Parsley is another great one to tuck into your beds, like between your lettuce plants or among other plants that need a pungent herb to potentially keep pests away. Like you can um, put it in with your brassicas and it'll do just fine. It doesn't frequently go to flower um, and that might just be because we harvest off of it too frequently, but it's not one where I can reliably count on it going to seed the way my cilantro does, but it's got plenty of other purposes and, uh, and it's a good one to companion plant with pretty much any of your other crops. Okay. We're going from the main culinary herbs now over to two that I like to plant just for the pollinators. I eat them sometimes, but not as frequently. They are classified as an herb, but like I just said, I prefer to plant them for the flowers. And the first one is called borage that is dead easy to grow and will reliably come back from year to year, not because it's a perennial, but because it self-sows so easily. It'll go to seed in the summertime and then drop its seeds and almost guaranteed they're going to sprout for you in the springtime. So this, similar to the nasturtiums I talked about last week, this is a plant it once and you'll never have to plant it again type of plant. And borage is cool because the whole plant is edible, even the flowers, and they are often used in either salads or people like to freeze them into ice cubes because they're these dainty purple flowers. As with everything, the bees love them, um, which is why I like to include them in the garden, and they are a great companion plant. For an herb, they do get a little bit on the larger side, so give them a little bit of room. They're not as versatile at kind of tucking in between other plants the way something like a cilantro or chives is. But if you put them maybe on the boundary of your garden, then they do a great job of making a little hedge of purple flowers that the bees are going to come in for, and then they'll visit the rest of your garden while they're there. Next up on the list is bee balm, also known as monarda. And this flower is really commonly grown by flower farmers because it makes a very unusual looking flower that you don't often find on standard flower varieties. So this herb kind of 
stands in as something new and unique. And bee balm is easy to start from seed. And sorry, I forgot to mention that with borage. Borage is very easy to start from seed. Very quick germinator, nice large seeds that are easy to handle. You'll have no problem starting that one from seed. Bee balm is also easy, but it's a little bit slower to grow and the seeds are much smaller. And so I like to sprinkle a few on the soil surface instead of just one or two seeds because with those smaller seeds, it's a little bit trickier to keep them moist the entire time until they germinate. And so you might, you know, say plant four seeds and one or two of them are not going to sprout. So you end up with that one or two that you actually need. So just a little piece of advice if you decide to start bee balm from seed yourself. And you can get them in pink and purple flowers and they almost kind of make a tiered flower where the whole bloom is, we'll say three inches tall, but it's not all one flower. It's like kind of a three-tiered bloom. It's very interesting. Uh, If you think of it, you know, Google it, look up a picture. It's easy to grow. It lasts all season. It loves the sun. And once you get it going, this is a perennial, so it will come back from year to year. Three other herbs that I would recommend to put in just about any garden, but that I don't personally start from seed are thyme, rosemary, and lavender. And these are very versatile herbs. They're good for all kinds of things from cooking to just making your your room smell good like lavender or being out there for the bees, the pollinators, the butterflies. Butterflies love lavender in my garden, but they are a pain in the butt to start from seed, especially lavender. I have never had success at lavender. I've even talked to lavender farmers and they don't even recommend starting from seed. Um, They propagate via root cuttings or stem cuttings. And so lavender just is extremely slow to germinate and it has to go through all kinds of cold versus warm treatments, cold stratification is what it's called, and is just totally not worth it. So, and thyme and rosemary can be trickier to start from seed, but they're also just all so slow growing that by the time you get it to germinate and you're waiting weeks and weeks and weeks, possibly even months to get a few inches of growth on it, it's a lot faster, a lot more expedient to just buy a couple of seedlings and then they will grow and last you from year to year. So very handy herbs, especially culinary, you know, as with everything on this list. Um, But save yourself a little bit of grief and not needing so much patience and just buy a seedling to get everything started. And everything on this list can grow well together if you only want an herb garden or you want to mix some in um, in with the rest of your garden and then you still want a separate little herb garden. Dill, like I mentioned before, is the only one where not everything loves to grow next to dill. Give it a try, though. Some years are different. I've had some years where I only put it with my cucumbers and other years where I mix it in just to, you know, just experiment and see because some years are different. You know, different plant combinations will have different results. So it's always worth experimenting to see what works in your garden. And if you've got a nice sunny spot, everything will do well there. If you have a partially sunny spot where there is some shade, then you will have the best luck with your cilantro, mint, chives, and parsley and borage. Those ones can tolerate a little bit of shade. Whereas if you've got a very sunny spot or maybe something that's warmer, if it's against a wall or a fence, like a brick fence, then your basil mint can also tolerate 
full sun as well as some some shade. Um, and your thyme, rosemary, and lavender are all going to love those spots as well as your bee balm where you have more sun and or more heat. So there's definitely something for everybody on this list. Try planting all of them if you really want to build out a robust garden to harvest from for your kitchen and your cooking and even some good scented stuff on there like your lavender and, of course, your pollinator friends. That's all I have for you today. Between last week's flower list and this week's herb list, you will have tons of blooms in your garden for cutting, for the pollinators, for companion planting, for just looking at and saying, dang, that's a fine looking garden. And if you're loving the show, please pop a review on Apple Podcasts. I've gotten some great reviews over the last couple of weeks from you guys, and I've gotten a few submitted via email that are always super fun to read. So I appreciate that. And thank you very much. And I will be back next week and I'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.